This is Conducting Business, WQXR's show about the classical music industry. I'm Naomi Lewin. The Metropolitan Opera's decision to cancel its global HD and radio broadcasts of the John Adams opera The Death of Klinghoffer has stirred up heated responses from around the classical music world. The Met cited an outpouring of concern from Jewish groups that the transmission might incite global anti-Semitism. Given the provocative subject matter, some people have called the Met's decision sensitive and sensible, but others have said that it showed a lack of courage of artistic convictions. To talk about this, we are joined by James Jordan, editor of the opera website Parterrebox and a contributing writer to the New York Post, and Tim Smith, classical music critic of the Baltimore Sun. Death of Klinghoffer is about the 1985 hijacking of the Italian cruise ship, the Achille Lauro, by Palestinian terrorists who murdered a Jewish passenger, Leon Klinghoffer. When the Met's general manager, Peter Gelb, pulled the plug on the broadcasts, he said that the opera itself is not anti-Semitic, but that it might incite anti-Semitism. James, what do you think he means by that? Well, it's hard to say. I mean, Mr. Gelb is in a position of creating a compromise here. And one of the definitions of a compromise is that you uh, have come up with a solution that makes both sides hate you. So uh, I'm not sure what he's accomplished by this. Well, Uh, who are the two sides that he now has hating him? Well, I mean, one side is the various Jewish groups who have said that they find the work anti-Semitic or that they find the work might incite anti-Semitism. I mean, there there are sort of two arguments there. And then on the other side, I think uh, there are... I guess what you might say, the rest of us, you, you, those of us who say, you know, it is, it's a work of art, it's an opera, and it shouldn't be treated any differently from any other opera than that does. There are certainly a lot of controversial things and controversial themes that are covered in a number of operas in the Met repertory. I mean, you know, De Meistersinger is in the repertory next season, and that's an opera that is often accused of having anti-Semitic elements in it. So that opera doesn't seem to be given the same treatment as Death of Klinghoffer, and so that seems to be a little confusing. Although the Death of Klinghoffer is more about current events than Meistersinger. Oh, could no, be argued. I, I'll, 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 I'll give you that. Tim, you wrote on Twitter about this wise choice, so easy to misunderstand and exploit this work in our uneasy world. What did you mean by that? I wish I knew, but uh, it was really kind of a knee-jerk reaction, probably, because I had just read the release, and yeah, I could probably be persuaded either way, but the more I think about it, and the more particularly reading uh, things that have been written, in fact, just today I saw a most fascinating comment posted on James's site on Paterbach saying, uh, we need a final solution for Israel. And you don't see language like that every day based on other kinds of operas. I don't think Meistersinger has ever created or would likely create that kind of really rather disgusting uh, reaction. So part of me says, I think I know what they're talking about. Also, because I think we're kind of naive in this country. We're not as tuned in to this whole nationalistic and bizarre kind of behavior that goes on in in Europe. We just saw these elections recently where a whole set of uh, strange characters uh, did well. There are lots of crazy currents going on that are kind of disturbing. And so if if it may be overstating the thing, and I, I think that perhaps they were overstated, but if you do believe that something is going on that's so dangerous for lots of people, and especially uh, for Jews, then I think it's at least sensitive to say, you know, maybe this particular piece right now, 
which opens. I mean, it's very opening lines are about Palestinians being driven out of their land by Israel. So, I mean, that's the beginning. It doesn't mean that that's all it's about, but that's the first thing that you hear. So I understand how this sets off a whole different vibe. Plus, you have the strange uh, phenomenon, not that we don't do this in movies and television all the time, but you essentially have a kind of heroic, romanticized kind of figure, not because anyone really believes that, but just because that's the nature of art. Suddenly, this guy is singing, and he's a character, and he's a killer, and he's with other killers, and they become, you know, slightly different from just, you know, average, everyday operatic villains, because they're right from the headlines. They're doing something that actually happened. And so I think you put all of that together, I don't know, I think you. I think it's kind of sensitive and kind of sensible to say maybe we don't want to be a part if this is truly a chance that it could somehow be exploited by people who are already looking for excuses anyway and uh, don't even seem to have to find one. I mean, we just had killings in, in Belgium at the Jewish Museum. I mean, you know, like every day something weird seems to happen. Well, I, I agree with Tim that it's a sensitive issue, and it certainly needs to be handled with great sensitivity. I feel like the problem here is that there's a teachable moment that's going untaught, that there is something we can learn about the nature of art, and there's something we can learn about the racial politics of the situation that could be approached by handling the HD broadcasts in a sensitive way. In other words, you know, not treating them as an ordinary HD broadcast and including supplemental materials during the admission before the broadcast or whatever, so that people can come into it in, with an informed point of view. I, I don't know. I, maybe I'm very idealistic about this, but I feel like I don't think keeping people ignorant is a solution to a problem. I think that people having information can help address the problem. I'm just back from a trip to Germany where there was an exhibit in Zollingen of paintings that the Nazis had banned for being inappropriate. Not that I'm trying to equate these two situations, but the bigger question, I guess, is, is it ever okay to ban art for some perceived social goal or good? Well, ever is a very big word. As Rudolf Bing once said, never is a very large word that will outlive all of us. And I think ever is exactly the same kind of word. You can't make an absolute hard and fast rule. However, as the saying goes, information wants to be free. I think the more knowledge people have, the better capable they are, let us say, the better capable they are in a potential sense of making a good decision. And so I think given the choice, I think we should try to keep the art as free as possible. My problem with losing the HD of this is that there's a very large audience who would have the opportunity to see this work and be able to make their own decisions about this work that are being cut out of the process. Um, I, I did an estimate once that showed that the number of people who see the HD broadcast from the Met as opposed to the people who see the performances in the theater, it's about four to five times as many who see the HD as see the performances in the theater. So in a sense, the Met is cutting out 75 to 80 percent of the potential audience for this piece. And if they believe in it as an important piece and a piece that people should be seeing, I have a problem with the idea that they're saying, well, we're going to limit the audience we can... To people who can make it to New York. To people who can make it to New York, to people who can afford $200 or you know, whatever the top is going to be for, right. for Klinghoffer. Tim, what is your reaction to the idea of, if it, is it ever okay to ban art? 
ideally, I would say, of course not. You know, I would say I have no trouble with you know agreeing at all with uh, James about those kinds of philosophical issues. It's just there is a sort of case by case thing that may make it hard for us to choose. I'm thinking, uh, for example, in Dusseldorf uh, last year, a production of Tannhäuser that that had people so upset because it had all these very graphic images from the Holocaust, and they canceled that. But that production was canceled. That was it. That's not happened yet at the Met. I hope it doesn't. I hope that's not Plan C or something down the line. But well, it, uh, it, you know, it, it, it may be that yeah. that's that's sort of the next step of some of these pressure groups. It's possible, uh, and hopefully they they won't bend to that. I mean, it I'm, is I'm, interesting. I'm, hope, yeah. I'm hoping that this compromise that Gelb came up with will preserve the live performances of of Klinghoffer. Yeah. I believe that John Adams was talking about this. Uh, yesterday, I think maybe to the Times, where he was saying that he had an indication from the Met that the first demand from the group it was talking to Gelb was that the whole production be pulled, and that this was the compromise to pull the HD and to keep the keep the live performances. Do you think financial considerations play any role in this? Of course they do. They always do. There's always, you know, I'm sorry, people aren't that much about principle anymore. So, you know, it, it also is involved with money, I'm sure. You know, and just the threat that they might lose something or that it will cause, you know, other problems. In fact, you know, my guess is the biggest objections and the biggest commotion, if there is going to be one, would have been in New York anyway, regardless of whether the thing was being shown in other theaters. Because this is, you know, it's a there's a lot of interested parties right there ready to pounce on this from uh, from every angle. And, you know, they are outraged. When, they, when you read some of the more, at least less emotional, but still very serious analysis by people who really dislike this opera. You can at least understand where they're coming from, and they can cite chapter and verse, as it were, about parts in the libretto and so on that, that really they find offensive, starting, of course, as you know, with the title. They don't understand why it's not called The Murder of Klinghoffer. Mm-hmm. You know, and so that you can understand all of that emotion. I didn't really think that – I guess, and perhaps, again, I say I, I may be terribly naive – I didn't think that that kind of objection, the people who object to this piece – was what was driving this decision, but merely the fact that this was going out into a world that is no longer so easy to explain or have a dialogue with. This is kind of, we don't know what's going on out there. And I think that the weirdness of of what happens, not that I can imagine opera ever inciting too much, no matter where it is, but it's kind well, of... Well, has the message of this opera become more incendiary since it was composed, which is by now over 20 years ago, 1991? In fact, I, I believe the message of the opera has been slightly toned down, that the daughters of Leon Klinghoffer have uh, petitioned the, the creators of the work to uh, remove certain passages from it. I have some small cuts, I think, that were taken from the earliest performances to the edition that's available now. So the message has actually, apparently, has been slightly toned down from that time. i got to say... All of us were so gobsmacked by this announcement. I mean, I I had come in from lunch, and there was the news report that broke on on my uh, alert. And I thought, where in the world did this come from? This is amazing to me. A lot of other people, a lot of other journalists I spoke to, and you know, fans of the opera were like, no one saw this coming. You know, no one could have guessed that this was just coming out of nowhere. You mentioned that Klinghoffer's daughters, Lisa and Ilsa, have voiced an objection to this. The Met is going to include a note in its program from the daughters. What is it that they don't like about it? Yeah, I just thought they have long objected to the depiction of uh, both parents, I believe. 
I mean, I, I, I don't want to make any judgment about these women. The problem is it's hard to take a, a purely political stance on an issue that impacts you so personally. And so I, I think it is certainly understandable if there were some confusion of those two issues or some difficulty in separating the two issues. I certainly know it would be that way for me if I were dealing with a work of art that had to deal with the death of both of my parents and then trying to understand that in a political context. So, I mean, I think there is a possibility there. I'm not going to make a judgment. This past season, the Met did a Tchaikovsky opera that was conducted by Valery Gergiev, who's a close friend of Vladimir Putin, this after Putin instituted anti-gay laws in Russia. And LGBT groups protested this. And the Met included an explanation in the program saying that they felt it was important to continue to do that opera with... Gergiev conducting. Do you see any correlation here? I will say that the Mets acts have a certain consistency in that they did the Tchaikovsky and now they're doing the Adams and that they are offering these pieces with, a, you know, not with a disclaimer, but with an explanation saying, we understand that why you are concerned about the way we're presenting this work. This is our rationale for doing it. Tim? Well, that sounds very reasonable to me. Um, oh, well, see. <laughs> <laughs> you, you need no, to get a hothead, Naomi. I think yeah, we're no use to you. Yeah, absolutely. That. No, I mean, they they have had to dance around some you know, tricky issues. This this particular, the Klinghoffer thing just opens up far more even than the Gergiev thing, frankly. I mean, I mean that was interesting and, and intriguing to watch what would happen and see how people would react and whether it would be protests and what have you. But this thing goes, this is more of a cosmic issue because it's so personal and so huge and it has a whole history. And we're still fighting the same battle in the Middle East. The, the Pope's prayer meeting, uh, you know, notwithstanding, nothing has changed. In that sense, this is still the same bunch of kinds of people with the same attitudes, the same intransigent thoughts on both sides. And so it's going to be tricky. And I just thought, you know, that maybe they have a point to, you know, limit the the, the damage, even though it does sound ridiculous that you would ever limit art. It's just I'm not sure people can see certain pieces rationally, which is what I think some of the comments you see flying around the Internet, you know, prove that, the, you know, it's not everybody is thinking about this as some masterpiece, which I think is a, may very well be, and it's certainly you know a fabulously written piece and full of deep thought and all that stuff, and it's great. But it doesn't mean that everybody is hearing it that way or even slightly interested in it as a work of art. They're interested in other things about it. it it's true. I, I have a, a little historical footnote. I, I have a, an old copy of Rudolf Bing's autobiography, 5,000 Nights at the Opera, and he includes in that a photograph of protesters picketing the opening night of Don Carlo at the Met in 1950, saying that the work was anti-Catholic propaganda. Mm. <laughs> so, so I mean, it, it is it is certainly possible for people to find a message that maybe the creator of the work did not intend. Well, thank you both very much for joining us. Thanks for having thank me. Thank you. This has been Conducting Business. Our guests were James Jordan of Parterre Box and Tim Smith of The Baltimore Sun. Brian Wise is our producer. I'm Naomi Lewin. Thank you for listening.